Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Masterson. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan's other podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. Ryan and I will try to provide analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. And Ryan, good morning. How's it going? Good morning. It's going quite well. It's nice and early. Got my coffee. It's going to be a nice day. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, we're throwing a party tomorrow, and uh, I'm trying to get uh, my band to play at it. It's scattered thunderstorms, though, and it's just like, ugh. Boy, and the thunderstorms where you're at are legit I know. compared to where, they, I'm, where I'm at. And that's saying something in the Pacific Northwest. Well, <laughs> where it rains Well, you a all bunch. just get more soaking rain. We get rain. We get, yeah, soaking rain. We get consistent consistent dreary you know dreary weather relatively speaking i mean relative to the um the rest of the country but yeah. we don't get those humid high pressure systems moving through and we don't get the lightning and thunderstorms it's rare it's a rare occasion we really get a fantastic um dangerous lightning storm or thunderstorm so i guess they're one and the same right so um yeah, that it, sounds a lot like Germany when I lived in Ger- in northern Germany, and it was just there would be like whole months. It felt like where it'd hmm. just be gray and rainy consistently. Hmm. Actually, and I was just riding bikes around in that. Interesting. <laughs> Going to school, <laughs> they just it, get it, used to it. It is. They eat a lot of chocolate and drink a lot of coffee, and I think that helps. In Germany, they drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. Oh, nice. Maybe that's everyone why. I knew did. Might be why I like coffee so much. I've got a got a thick German <laughs> German part of my ethnicity. Well, they, no, no, no. What what I'm what I'm implying, Ryan, is that uh, the the weather makes a little boost important mm, I because see. you never get that sun, or you you rarely get that sunlight during certain seasons that you need. Mm-hmm. Now in the summer, it's beautiful, right? Sure. But I sure. remember lots of winters that were. Well, I can't say that. I was only there over there for one exchange year. But uh, I remember in the winter, there would be like really long periods of just gray fog. I remember riding the bike, getting like sprinkled on, riding home, getting sprinkled on, Mm -hmm. and just like a week of that. Huh. Just gray. And like I would imagine that would deal with – I mean if you have seasonal affective disorder or something like that, like – Yeah. That's got to be rough. Huh. This is somewhat tangential, but I recently discovered that on the podcast app that we use, which I also use for the Living Love and Light production, I can see what countries people are checking in from. And nobody from Germany yet, nobody from Germany at least is checking out the the Living Love Light, but there's someone or some people in Uganda that are heavily hitting <laughs> that production and uh, i'm like cool look at that you know um i don't know i thought i'd throw that out there it's just interesting it's interesting because i can see that the majority of, of listeners are in the u.s but there's a little there's a hefty sliver in norway 
and there's an equal number in Uganda. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's, anyway, that, thought that was neat. But but no one from Germany yet. No, no, no. See, the weather's holding them back. But in Uganda, weather's it probably great. Is. <laughs> they're 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 rocking out uh, to some living love and light, just like I am. Uh, mm-hmm. I really, I just wanted to, I, Ryan and I were talking about this earlier, but like the episode that came out Friday, um, one of my favorite Hatan sessions. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. Um, some good little tidbits in there. The the line that stuck with me the most was. Well, Hatan is telling a story as Hatan loves yeah. to do. I love story time with Hatan. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. Um, and Hatan is, you know, Hatan is saying you can't be a detective or you could try to be a detective and search for your true self, but your true self isn't something you're going to find because your true self can't be found, it is revealed to you. Which is was... funny because in the um, in the uh, channeling session we did at the last channeling intensive, there was one on, and I know I've mentioned this before in the show, but the relationship between self-consciousness and the introduction of the spirit complex in third density. Mm. And they talk about how the introduction of the spirit complex is kind of like when you're a second density creature, go, go and read it yourselves and see what you think of it, listener. But my interpretation is that when you're a second density entity, you're a mind-body complex alone. And there's like this feedback loop between the mind and the body. And then at a certain point, when you get to third density, you step outside of that feedback loop and observe it from another level. And this sounds a lot like that, where you like step outside yourself and observe yourself in another level. And they were talking about how that process recapitulates the first distortion and the creator deciding to learn something about itself instead Mm. of just being at unity. And so it has to have like, it has to kind of step outside of itself. And that's the first separation, right? The ability to observe itself requires a subject and object. That separation creates kind of like the entire premise for the illusion that we find ourselves in. And it seems like our evolution, what I'm trying to say is that it seems like this evolutionary process recapitulates that over and over Mm. in different ways. Mm Mm-hmm. They also talk about how polarity, service to self and service to others, is a kind of recapitulation of the old kind of polarity that happened in previous creations of the mover and the moved. You may not remember that from the raw contact, but like they talk about not. how before, before in previous uh, creations before the veil, there was just the simply the polarity of mover and moved. Hmm. And that um, what the veil introduced it seemed like they were saying, go read it yourself, uh, listeners, but it seemed like what they were saying is that by introducing the veil, the moved sort of attained its own agency. And that allowed uh. for a more articulated polarity, right, than, than just uh, the, the simple mover and moved. Now, being moved is not a simple task of just doing what you're pushed into. You have a choice now, right, of yeah. how you want to respond to that movement from spirit. Yeah. So just hmm. some interesting ideas. <laughs> I, I, um, it's been a while since I've read The Raw Contact, and I've only just started going back through it. This is probably the third time or the fourth time I will have gone through it, but it's still been about probably about a year since I've, since I've combed through it. And it's, um, 
It's fascinating what you continue to parse out and pick up every time. Every time it's new again. Every time there's something new in there. I think that's the mark of a good book is when you can read, and it's any book, but if you can read it and each time you read it, you get something different. Maybe that speaks to you at where you're at in your life, you know, as you evolve through life. Um, but I'm just, I'm just tickled, <laughs> just tickled that I, I can, it's like reading it for the first time again. I know exactly what you mean, having read it all the mm. way through many, many more times. And yet I can, I, I know for a fact that a lot of those times things would pass by my, my notice that I only notice on some future reread. I will tell you that I think that you are taking the optimal path to rereading by coupling it with reading through mm. the conscious archive. Mm -hmm. I didn't appreciate the conscious archive for a long time because I thought Ra was the, the purest and the most precise. And so it was like, oh, why do I want to hear Kuo tell me the same thing that they tell me every time, right? Like it yes. just seems repetitive. It is repetitive. It is repetitive. There's, that's absolutely true. But what I started to realize when I did the reread uh, or the, the read through the entire uh, tr uh, transcript archive is that in repeating this in different ways, you see different aspects of it. And they're much more practically applicable aspects than Ra gives you. Um, mm. It seems mm. like they – and I think that's because they have the mixture of, our, of the third density instrument in the message. So Hatan or Kuo or Lytos or any of these entities are grounding their viewpoint from the outer planes in our, you know, real world experience. Yeah. And that, that combination, you know, they like a 70-30 mix of yes. uh, entity us. So I, there's something about that combination that grounds these lessons and makes them I don't know. They seem to have a lot more uh, tenderness to them, a lot more compassion, and uh, like there's a remove and a and a sterility to raw sometimes. You know, there is. What struck me going through this again and having racked up hundreds of hours reading or recording the conscious stuff is that stark contrast in the language, and mm -hmm. I'm just reminded. I was reminded of the novelty of Ra's language. Talking yeah. about love, light, instead of love and light. Space, time, time, space, uh, teach, learn. Just the whole binary conjunction. You know, I'm I visual. I'm putting my hands together, friends. <laughs> I'm showing Jeremy what this, <laughs> what it is. He, he knows what it is. But just, I was just reminded of the novelty of the language and what all that implies as far as how Ra views the creation. Right. And what perhaps that sixth density view is as much as a third density ape can, uh, can understand that, but yeah. how it's just, if it's a, if going, um, back to last episode and if, uh, um, if this was a fabrication, a very clever fabrication and all of this is bunk, boy, it was a clever move. It was a really clever move. Um. Yeah, fooled me. Like I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I consider myself continue to be fooled by this stuff. I do too. Because, 
because like it's something that it's, it reminds me of something that Hatan said in the session that the Richmond Channeling Circle did on Wednesday, where they said, you know, they give their usual caveat of like, hey, if we say something that resonates, that's great. But if if it doesn't resonate, leave it behind. And they said, like, you know, if we say something that resonates, remember, <laughs> the truth is in your heart. We're just pointing it out mm -hmm. and you need to look into your heart to confirm it. Like, don't we? it's not coming from us. You're recognizing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's how else does one uh, uh, appraise any information that they get? You know, yes. I mean. And is the truth, the truth isn't in the words that someone else is speaking. The, the truth is inside and you have to discover that truth, you know. So and sometimes the words that people, that people speak or discarnate entities speak sometimes those words help you find the truth but yeah the truth is within and yeah. uh, and i still maintain that ever since i found i discovered the raw material i have been a happier person just in general started meditating you know reading through this just enjoying the story enjoying the template that it provides and lo and behold, I have literally been more at peace with myself. So at minimum, some truths have certainly been revealed, um, you know, in this whole process. Well, I think it took me a lot longer to find the way that this information actually makes my life better and happier than you did. I think you're on the king's road and you are being very efficient about digesting this information and i'm super super impressed and i and it's not just you like i see a lot of people like on the law of one subreddit or bring forth or just in that or just on facebook sometimes that are saying things are just like wow that's that's really that's really impressive i was not thinking that way when i was sure three years into it you know sure <laughs> but i was also a you know i was just out of college i was dumb so <laughs> i can't imagine what i'd think about this if i yeah, found this twenty years ago. I I started reading rereading the Seth material, the Seth oh, yeah. channeling stuff. I I started reading that when I was twelve or thirteen. I think was that you know really. But I have not. Yeah, my mom, my mom and dad were like yin and yang, night and day, however you want to call it. My dad super grounded. My mom very eccentric in a way. Oh, wow. Um. And she exposed my brother and I to a lot of different ideas, uh, which have been that really contributed to how my my twin brother and I grew up and developed. And uh, yeah, one of those one of those fantastic exposures was the Seth material, and was completely new, you know. But I was so young when reading it, and there was no context yeah. around what it was it was just some lady some entity speaking through a lady when she was in trance that was it but now i have this whole other whole other world of information to influence my thoughts on that so i'm giving it a reread and find it very it's it's just interesting i'm not not very deep in yet but but um yeah i'm giving it a go that's great. Uh, and uh, do you and your brother often discuss this kind of information? Well, or at least the, like the philosophical concepts? In our cigar nights, yes. Yeah. yeah in, our, in our cigar nights, um, yeah, we'll usually bring up 
an interesting idea. And we, we consistently point out whether or not where the, the, tru- the seed of truth in the idea, whether or not it is literally, factually yeah. correct, it is the way it is, but what is the underlying truth that can be latched onto yeah, you know that's typically what we uh, and then how and then other compare you know comparisons with that. So that's really cool because uh, I think I didn't I don't think I really realized this that both of us had parental pushes towards this kind of information, mm. and yet it's not something that I connect with my brothers on very much, even though they were exposed to the same stuff. Sure. So although I would say like my brother John, it seems like he's had way more like visceral spiritual experiences than I have. But he also kind of like just lets it roll off his back, right? Like he's sure. just like, sure. you know, still doing my thing. Oh, I have the so. I have the the honor of having a genetic clone who yeah. we have very <laughs> similar personalities, and um, right, it's I, I I don't know. I, I'm just so thankful that I have someone to talk to about what at first will seem like crazy ideas, and sure. he will humor me. <laughs> and then he might even pitch in, you know, and he can do the same. So, yeah, in any case. Cool. Well, um, why don't we jump back in to the session we did uh, two episodes ago and finish it up? Because uh, I'll just give listeners a brief recap. Uh, we are talking about uh, the session on December 31st, 1989 in the LL archives. This is Kuo talking about the higher self, the concept of the higher self and the concept of the magical personality. Now in the, in in episode 32, uh, we focused on the higher self, uh, portion of this, uh, reading. And, uh, they talked about concepts like, you know, Hey, the higher self is a gift from your future sixth density self. It kind of has all of the, what do they call it? Uh, it's the last vestige of the self, which contains polarity. Mm-hmm. So it is like a thought form that you give yourself in order to help yourself along through third density. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's pretty much the, the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anything you want to add? No, only that. Only that if I'm if I'm speaking from the heart, this idea has been hard for me to connect with. I understand the notion of the higher self. I'm still struggling with what the magical personality is, let alone how to attain it. And even further than that, what do I do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm still sorting through the the purpose of how that, how that higher self, uh, functions or, you know, how to rely on it, how to, you know, how to use it. So very, very cogent and understandable concerns. Um, we'll address all of those today. Let's do it. Uh, so, uh, remember that the magical personality is kind of like the same thing as the higher self more or less. It's the same kind of thing. It's just in a different context. I think the way that I, would think would would describe it uh, is that the higher self is kind of like that personal side of uh, accessing guidance and stuff like that, and the magical personality is when you sort of adopt the person of the higher self in, in a very limited and uh, contained way in order to do magic 
work. In other words, what Ra calls working consciousness. Hmm. Um, which means that, and, and we'll, we'll go into the details in this um, in this session. So let's jump right in. Um, see, so we left off uh, in the middle uh, on the paragraph that starts. Uh, the first step is the acceptance and the forgiveness of the self within this illusion. But I'm going to start a little bit before that just to give us context. Totally fine. Now, as each sits here, we shall attempt to give the process by which the higher self may be contacted. This is one way. There are many others. This is a way which we feel is simple and therefore easier to grasp. The first step is the acceptance and the forgiveness of the self within this illusion. It must be clear to each one that one cannot live purely in a world polluted by constant negative thoughts and perceptions, cynicism, and the ugly emotions of fear, terror, and the triumph of those who delight in terrorizing others. This is not the personality that you wish to use for that special time during which you are working within consciousness to accelerate the rate of your spiritual growth, to heighten your polarity, and to move, may we say, forward. You do not need to gaze at the higher self as part of the self unless you wish. However, it is well to know that the higher self and you are timeless and whole and one. All right, here's the new part. Mm -hmm. So we, this is the higher self. Now we're getting to the magical personality. Now to attain a magical personality, there is much which one can do and indeed must do to create the appropriate atmosphere for the gentle lover's touch of the rational mind into the deep mind. This is a slow process. For many, and sorry, this is a slow process for many and infinitely worth it. Once one has been able to contact that part of the self that is sixth density and which has given the gift back to you within the deep recesses of your mind, you may then have a much wider perspective, a much more clear vantage point from which to view the life experiences which your incarnation brings to you. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a lot to reflect on here, but... Uh, I do want to point out this metaphor of the lovers as uh, describing the relationship of the conscious mind to the unconscious mind as one of courtship, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as one of uh, wooing and a gentle uh, uh, building of a relationship over time rather than the plundering of the, of the unconscious mind. Uh, in a in a harsh way that the negative path tries to use. So the negative path wants to control the self. It wants mm -hmm. to discipline the self harshly and make it into an instrument of its own will. And uh, so it kind of, that's why it, I think, tends towards those perverse kinds of uses of the unconscious and uh, the, the, the potential of intelligent infinity rather than the, the, the positive path, which... Because it wants to come into this harmonious relationship, it takes longer, but that's where the power comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. It's a slow process, they say. Um, and it is, it, it seems to me, the thing that really stood out to me was that part of, it is in the process of learning how to build a relationship with your higher self that you have available to you this magical personality mode hmm. of that relationship. Hmm. And it's built over time. One of the things that I tend to tell people who show an interest in the endeavor of channeling is that 
regardless of what information you bring through, regardless of how often you do it, just the process of learning how to do it helps you do what they describe here. It mm. helps you get in touch with your higher self. And then you build a relationship where you more and more are allowed to access that resource because you've built a relationship over time. And this is what I keep trying to tell people who are uh, learning channeling. It's like, you, <laughs> I, I know you want to get out there and uh, get out on the field and play, but like there is a lot of training to do before you get there. And it's not because you'll do a bad job. It's because you need to have that confidence in yourself. You need to understand yourself in this fundamental way hmm. uh, so that you can stand on your own two feet in your truth. And you won't be swayed by somebody who says, you know, that's BS. Hmm. Like if someone says that's BS, what I'm bringing through, I'm like, go on, brother. Like, I don't, like, that's fine. Like, it probably is for you, uh, you sure. know, but I know that where I'm coming from, uh, because of the training I've had, the, the tools that I've been able to develop over time to change my mindset to one that does have like a sac, a sacramental nature to it. Like that's something I, that's hard one mm -hmm. and anybody can do it. It is not, it does not make you special whatsoever. In fact, I think as we go through this, this, this session, you'll see that like, although the magical personality is not something you need to do, it is something that's in the future of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump right back in. And this is a very important point that they're going to bring up that is super apropos to what I was just saying about training and learning how to use this resource. Kuo says, we caution each against attempting to live in the higher self mode for any length of time past which one cannot hold the concentration and the clarity which the tuning, the praying, and the singing brings about. You cannot plunder your own higher self without doing damage to the quality of information which you receive. Consequently, in putting on the whole armor of light, as this instrument would say, and accepting the self, which seems to be in the future, but it is indeed yourself, as a good advisor, you are moving towards a centered position, which will be most advantageous to you in using this deep and lovely resource of the mind. We say lovely because it is a considerable effort, a labor of love, for the sixth density to create a thought form of all that it has experienced. I think that puts a very uh, fine point on it. This is a long process, and it is designed to give you a resource that is not for everyday use. You can get in touch with your higher self pretty much at any time, but the invocation of the magical personality is different because, as those of Ra describe, you're literally like assuming the the mantle of that future sixth density self, and they. I may be wrong about this. I didn't look up the exact quote, but I believe what they say is that you're literally giving your future six density self through the thought form of the higher self, the ability to live a third density life in that limited amount of time that you put on the magical personality. This is why it's so crucial that you take it off because if you, if you do not exit that magical personality and just live your entire life in that mode, you are working it's kind of like uh, driving a. It's it's kind of like riding a Ducati through like a grocery store, right? Like mm. you're just gonna like, 
you're just going to be a bull in a china shop and you're going to be using power that you don't even understand. Maybe this is what I have trouble with. Because if we are connecting with our higher self and you are engaged with your higher self and you are trying to live with nothing but love and understanding, you're trying to live an enlightened life. How is that different? Because I would think that engaging with the way it is colloquially, I think I said that word right. <laughs> I've never gotten that yeah. word right. Um, speaking colloquially, um, people will say, let's, you know, hey, um, there's a, there's a, this is, this is kind of weird. There's a perfumer who uh, does reviews on YouTube that I actually thoroughly enjoy, but he's constantly saying, let's engage with our higher selves before he gets into an actual review of someone else's, <laughs> someone else's fragrance. But, um, but I hear that thrown around a lot. It's like, it's like, you're trying to engage with that larger part of you that is that removes all that whatever it is you're dealing with you know in the third density veiled state so what is the difference between trying to engage with your higher self so to speak and trying to act you know be enlightened or live an enlightened life what is the difference between that and then doing what we're talking about here uh, I would say it's akin to the difference between me calling you up on the phone and we just BS about whatever we want to talk about versus we sit down and we record this episode. They're both ways of we relate to each other, but one is a lot more constrained and focused. Hmm. We try to keep each other on point mm -hmm. um, because we're doing something with intention. Mm. Now, when you're in your everyday life, your, your thoughts, your intentions, your moods, your feelings, all over the place. And as well, they should be. That is, a that is part of living a third-density life, is you're living behind the veil. You don't have access to your full self, and you are using that situation to learn things about your total self that you otherwise would not be able to learn. Hmm. That is precisely why it's so important that when you invoke the magical personality to do a specific kind of working, say you want to do ritual magic, you want to do channeling, you want to do some kind of like special meditation or visualization. There are lots of different ways that I could think you would use the magical personality. Um, but uh, the point is, is that in order for it to be special, in order for it to have the ability for you to compare that experience to the normal third density experience, you're kind of polarizing your consciousness in this way. Hmm. It's, it's, uh, I think I've used this metaphor before. It's like, uh, people, like I have trouble sometimes when I work from home, right? Because I don't know, because I work in the same place that I live, there's not that ritual of leaving work and coming home and then knowing that by coming home, I can relax. And then knowing when I go into the office that that's when I work. Instead, there's kind of a blurred line. And I think that what we do in ritual is we try to give ourselves symbolic means to demarcate when we are doing something special and we need to have a particular focus in order for that working to be what we want it to be versus we let ourselves off the hook a little bit in normal life. And we just try to be the best people that we can be. And, and frankly, we build up. We build up experiences that then we examine in these more refined and uh, 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 focused times. 
Hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it makes me think that there's a difference. No matter how much you are, quote unquote, connecting with your higher self, you're not going to function like your higher self or as your higher self because it's orders of magnitude beyond what we can even understand or envision, let alone what we can be. So we can, we can act in our daily lives with love and compassion. We could live a supposedly enlightened life and not even come close to, you know, what it would be in, in the sixth density. So I can understand how we can live our lives one way and still have to or still want to check in every now and then with our higher selves via meditation or via whatever ritual it is that you're, that you develop. Another way of thinking about it is that we learn much, much, much more through the visceral, you know, metal on metal kind of experience that third density catalyst gives us. Mm -hmm. However, it is in those focus times that we actually reflect on the things and we distill from those experiences, those lessons, those insights that we then ground and take with us. Mm-hmm. It's just, we live in a creation of polarity and it's not just about service to self and service to others. Uh, it There are all kinds of dualities involved and manifestation seems to be the way in which consciousness uh, engages these polarities and it does it in this way where uh you know we have linear time and so sometimes we're a and other times we're b sometimes we're x sometimes we're y sometimes we're happy sometimes we're sad sometimes we are in the profane and mundane of everyday life going out working you know having drinking bourbon like both of us do mm-hmm. you know just doing the normal things that humans do but sometimes we're in a sacramental space. And I think that's something that is maybe challenging to certain people who are listening to this because we live in such a secular time that it's hard to know what we mean by a sacramental space. Uh, Our ancestors knew. That's why church mattered. It wasn't just because God was going to strike you down. It was because there was a time for this kind of reflection. Mm -hmm. There was a time for this kind of you can't have the holy without the profane. Those two things delineate each other. The same way you can't have happiness without sadness. You wouldn't even recognize it. Yeah. These polarities allow us to make these distinctions. And it seems, it seems as if the creator benefits from this ability to have these like all on this side or all on that side experience because it shows it something about itself that it's unified state it can't differentiate, and so it doesn't see the potentials in it. It only sees how everything fits together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's boring. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just kind of think of this illusion, and every illusion, every creation, as just kind of like a consolidated thought experiment in the creator's mind. Mm. And then us going through these experiences in linear time are just the particular way that 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 imaginative idea works itself out but to the creator it's all one whole thing sure could be so could be we're just part of the creator chewing on this stuff yeah i think that's how i that's how i think about it anyway all right want to move on yeah let's do it all right it is the higher self or magical personality sorry it the higher self or magical personality is placed deep within you It is not placed without you. It is not placed within your teacher or your student 
or your colleague. The magical personality is an artifact of the self, the mystery-clad being, whose entire experience is recognized to be mystery. We correct this instrument, mysterious. Okay, the, the, the mystery-clad being whose entire experience is recognized to be mysterious. That's what they're saying. In preparation for the magical personality's development, the first thing which one needs to accomplish is a full and complete examination of conscience. Not that as an entity you may judge you as an entity, not at all, but rather that you may forgive yourself. For you have forgiven all others, have you not? <laughs> Yet still you hold yourself unworthy. This is not a helpful spiritual point of view, for the magical personality is based upon the fact that the spark of the creator within is the true self of each entity. That's an important point. Let's stop mm -hmm. there. So forgiveness is a huge part of this. Um, understanding and accepting yourself, right, is a big part of those are the two criteria for becoming the creator. That third step that that bridges the gap between uh, uh, intelligent energy and intelligent infinity between manifestation and the unified potential that everything's potential and unified but nothing's expressed right mm -hmm. um so yeah it seems that forgiveness is a big part of this it's part of some of the most intense catalyst catalysts that we deal with so it's if you want to work with the magical personality it has to involve forgiveness of self and other it appears a hard, a hard request. <laughs> a hard request, and just in general, like an examination of the self, an, an understanding of the self. And Ra, and even Ra uh, talks about this uh, in their contact, you know, how you have to kind of almost do like an inventory of consciousness mm -hmm. and sort of understand like, okay, well, what is, what is all this stuff I'm carrying around and where does it fit in into things like service, into things like, uh, recognition of the creator within, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that, uh, Kuo or me or anybody is not going to really be able to tell you how to do. Um, you know, I think that people use the bike, riding a, learning how to ride a bike metaphor a lot because it's a very good way of explaining how some things are visceral and they, and, and they're about a feel. Mm -hmm. You can explain to somebody how you ride a bike. That's not going to tell you how to do it. Only going through the experience of going, falling over this way, then falling over that way. And then you learn, oh, I, I limit the amount of falling I do and I find that balance. It's yes. such a great metaphor, but nobody can intellectually explain it to you. Yes. Agreed. All right. Okay. So let's continue. Kuo says, therefore, to begin working with the magical personality... One must first go through much searching of the mind, the intellect, the emotional biases that constitute that which you are at this time. This is not for the purpose of judgment, but for the purpose of grasping your essence at this time. Perhaps you wish to make changes. Perhaps you do not. But to come into contact with yourself as a self is the beginning of the magical personality. Just a little pause here. Like I think this is really important. You are when you're taking this inventory that we're speaking of, it is not to put aspects of yourself into the bad bucket or the good bucket. You are not pruning yourself. You are in a process of accepting and understanding all of it. And the Confederation makes clear on numerous occasions that we are entities both of the light and of the dark. 
We have darkness within us just like anybody else, just like uh, those who polarize service to self. The difference is the relationship that we come into it with. Uh, Ross says, you know, when describing, I think, Heinrich Himmler, like, what is the first separation? Self from self. And that's why they don't access their higher self in the same way. It's why they don't access any of the resources of their total self in the same way that we attempt to on the service to others path. Um, this relationship is what you are really, this, uh, to me, this is like the real capacity that you are, that third density is here to help you build. And you're doing it kind of like in the corner of your eye. You can't really do it. You can't really like, I'm going to go, um, you can't say like, I'm going to go do an inventory of myself and then contact my higher self. Nobody does it with that level of like agency and intent, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's something that kind of happens as a result of a bunch of other constitutive uh, actions and, and reflections. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. It, what immediately comes to mind is when you're meditating, well, when you're learning how to meditate and you start to understand all of those thoughts that come into your mind, you're, you're just, it's a little, it's a slow process of understanding more about yourself and your quirks yep. and just how things work up in your mind. And, uh, that's just what this makes me think of, you know? Oh yeah. You're, you're right on board because when they continue, they, they address almost exactly what you're saying. Mm. They say the day-to-day -day personality wavers. It is happy. It is sad. It is active. It is passive. Life is easy or life is difficult. And all of this is within this illusion. The more attention paid to the difficulties of this illusion, the less likely it is that one will be able to have access to the deeper mind of the magical personality. So we suggest to each that the table be cleared, the table of petty prejudice, any unfairness, stinginess, desire to manipulate others, and all of those artifacts whose bias is not helpful in gaining polarity towards service to others in the name of the infinite one. This preparation takes a different amount of time for different entities, and at the end of it, it is still impossible to live within the higher self at all times. However, it is possible to clear the self for the special and sacred door to be to the self to be opened. So I'm glad that I'm not mm. leading the listener too far astray. It seems like this is pretty much part and partial with what I was trying to explain before, it, that you're creating this special experience. It's in, uh, just reading that that last sentence there. However, it is possible to clear the self for the special and sacred door to the self to be opened. And I get this visualization of it, like in meditation, having to sort through the clutter or, yeah. or when you're just di discovering yourself and exploring those parts within you and clearing them aside because when you got a full room full of junk, you're like a hoarder and there's lots of stuff in your mind, in your soul, so to speak, that you've got to organize, understand, move aside. And when you're able to do that, it reveals this door on the other side of the room. That's the door we're searching for. That's, <laughs> that's what we want. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell me. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. anyway uh to continue we suggest that each begin a magical personality meditation with that which has been the call of a white or positive magician from time immemorial 
quote, I desire to know in order to serve. I desire to use my subconscious mind to enrich, enliven, enable, and engage this third density mind and heart. It is impossible for most to keep this clarity over an extended period of time, and there's danger in attempting to do so. Consider yourself as toddlers just learning to walk. The spirit's so young, so lovely, so strong, and yet so vulnerable. This is how the magical personality sees the outer portion of your behavior and thinking. It is perceived as that of a child who knows not what he does. When one turns one's will and faith to the quest of the philosopher's gold of greater wisdom, then you may begin to see gradually a change within you. But firstly, you must accept that the magical personality is already your own personality, for all time is simultaneous. And I love this metaphor of the toddlers. It's actually a metaphor that Hatan used in our session on Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. which just got published the other day. Mm-hmm. I love it too, possibly because my 11-month-old is trying to learn how to walk. And so I have a strong visual in my head of just the smile yeah. on her face, the pure glow that is coming off of her when she's got her little toy. She's got like a little baby walker that helps her helps her learn. And it is just, it just, it's so bright. It's, you know, it's like, if you're not happy watching a little baby, like take their steps and just see how happy they are, you have a cold heart. You have a cold heart. Yeah, fix your heart. (laughs) You need to go to the doctor or something. But anyway, but I, I, I too, I like the, uh, I, I in general like this analogy of looking at something that is young and carefree and naive and loving that thing, whatever it is. I hear a puppy often brought up, like treat yourself like a puppy or view yourself like a puppy or like a a little baby, because it's hard not to feel the feels when you look at a puppy, right? And you give that puppy so much leeway because it's a puppy. Yet we don't give ourselves that same kind of leeway with, uh, you know, with the things that we go through in our lives. But from the sixth density, higher self perspective, yeah, that, that seems entirely appropriate to <laughs> consider yourselves as toddlers just learning to walk. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want more on that, uh, check out the latest uh, session on Hark. The high altitude re- uh, receiving center. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good session. Put a definitely put a link to that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's keep going. Uh, oh, and I also want to point out they again reinforce that um, although we work with the magical personality and the higher self in this polarized way, in which there's a sacred working and then there's a non sacred working. Uh, The magical personality is still us. Just because we make these distinctions does not mean that these distinctions are the total truth of everything. They're just a way of working with it. All time is simultaneous, and we are just at a moment in time where this is the way we work on it. In higher densities, we will have more access to this because the veil will not be there. The veil between the conscious and the unconscious will not be there. So there's something about having that veil in place and doing it kind of learning this manually, right? That gives us sort of a command and a power that I think we're going to use much more in the more abstract and higher realms Hmm. that we can't even fathom, right? Yeah. 
Kuo continues, One good way to prepare oneself for meditation upon the magical personality is to visualize each chakra in turn, beginning with the red root chakra, and moving upwards carefully clearing energies, carefully seeing your chakra centers glowing, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. When you have reached sufficient humility to be able to listen to the advice from the higher self that is not easily understood to be other than the self, then we suggest that you begin with this clearing of the chakras so that you feel that the light streaming from, sorry, so that you feel the light streaming from your head. For you have opened all your chakras. You have become vulnerable. You are ready to take a risk. That's an interesting way to, to put it, but I think it's very, 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 uh, it very concretely makes the point. This gambit of working in consciousness is not without risks. Um, there are people who have, for example, tried to channel, tried to do magic, uh, ritual magic, who have gone nuts. <laughs> like you are stepping outside when you see, this is why you can't live in the magical personality forever because you are working with so much power and you take down the defenses that we normally have in the third density quarantine. Remember the quarantine that those of Ra bring up? We are protected from much more potent positive and negative influences uh, that could really, I think, in a way, threaten us uh, because we are toddlers. We don't know what we're doing. We're in a quarantine. We're in a daycare. We're learning the basic lessons, and we're protected from the hustle and bustle of the real world. That does have threats. That does have darknesses to it. Uh, all that stuff is part of the creator, but it doesn't make it any less problematic for us in our ignorant state. Um, when we assume, this is why I think they say earlier, it's not necessary to invoke the magical personality for everybody, right? Only if you have gotten to the point where you're ready to take a very limited and circumscribed risk and work with consciousness in this like high voltage way, as opposed to just working, you know, with USB power most of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a responsibility and it requires, that's why you have to know yourself so that you can accept this risk knowingly. And like, it's not going to be completely knowingly, but you can know at least the material that you're working with a little bit, mm -hmm. like that material being the self, mm -hmm. the material being all of the things that you accept about yourself. And also those things that you reject about yourself. This is all going to come up in magical working. I guarantee you, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, you don't escape anything. Hmm. Uh, you don't have to approve of yourself. You don't have to necessarily like it. But you do have to accept it. And you can't look away from it. You can't try to like shove it down and repress it because it's just going to come up in some other way. And when they talk about negative greetings in the in the raw contact and the way that this fifth density negative entity interacts with them, they make it very clear like, hey, like, yeah, there is a dude who's like trying to mess with you, but he only has one way of messing with you. It's your own distortions, your own vulnerabilities and flaws that you don't look at. That's what gets energized. So whether you see it as an outside force manipulating you or you see it as your own shortcomings, your own unexamined 
aspects of self that crop up in a way that surprises you or that undermines you. It's kind of just two sides of the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I don't really like thinking about negative greetings that much. I don't find it useful. The thing that I actually have control over is my own acceptance of self. You know what I don't have control over? Some weird Asriel dude from like the fifth dimension uh, coming in and bombarding me with psychic weapons. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm making something up to make it sound ridiculous. But on some level, that's kind of what's going on. I mean, like. Uh, if you want to think about it that way, well, I listeners do not want to think about it that way because it seems really daunting and not necessary. I wonder how, then how does one recognize the distortions within themselves? If, if you take, cause I've heard this outside of the rock, outside of this material, mm-hmm. I have heard in other stories, other stories of of people being influenced if a certain, cause yeah. you can't outright affect someone's free choice, but you can right. influence them. And you do that by just like you said, zeroing in on their vulnerabilities, their distortions, whatever it is. So how do we as humans recognize those distortions? You know, well, one of the ways is to take a different look at, what happens when other people access our vulnerabilities or for instance, trigger us, right? They express things about ourselves that we didn't see coming that we uh, were trying to ignore. We didn't, we were like, ah, that's not really who I want to be. That's not who I want to present to the world. Um, And yet it never is yourself. So if you want to not have that surprise you, Reflect on it. Do this inventory that they're talking about. They they describe right here what to do. It's 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 getting to know yourself. Getting to know yourself means everything. And I would also say that this chakra clearing exercise that they describe is a great way to go about this. I do it every morning. Well, I got up early this morning, so I haven't done it yet. <laughs> Slacker. <But laughs> I've never done I'll it. I'll get to it eventually. I've never done it. So <laughs> Try it sometime. What? When you're in meditation, um, and there are different ways to do this. You have to come up with something that works for you. But here's a starting point. When you're at a centered point in your meditation, go down to like right around where you're <laughs> – not necessarily your genitals, but right around that area. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm getting all weird. This is the thing that's yeah. going to be like uh, it's uh, you got to get down, put on Tucker Carlson, get down to the red ray. <laughs> you got to get down to that red ray. Center. Exactly. <laughs> You're finding a center of consciousness down there that typifies your experience of things like survival, sexuality, all of these like very very visceral root ideas. When you uh, bring your consciousness to that location in your body and look for things that feel like that, I'm not talking about even concrete ideas, just a general a, a vibe, right? A vibe of like that like root animal self, right? And then feel that center at a certain location down there. And if you can, visualize it glowing red and expanding in its glow in its, in its glowing. Then take your mood once you've done that for a few seconds or, or maybe even minutes. I don't know. You do you guys. But like 
then think about a more refined version of that that is less about just survival and like red and tooth and claw thoughts, right? And you start to think about who you really are when no one's looking or who you are with your wife or who you are with your best friend, that like really intimate version of yourself that you don't always show to everyone. And as you do that, move it up to about the center of your belly, I'd say. And think of it as orange glowing. Sit there for a while. The point of what I'm saying is not to just think this and then have it be this whole mental thing. You want to really feel into it. Mm -hmm. You're using the mind to prompt feelings. But the feelings are what are going to give you the connection to the chakra, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Not the thoughts, per se. Mm -hmm. Then you move up to your solar plexus and you're thinking about, okay, who's the self that I present to others? Who's the self that I am at work? Who's the self when my wife is not dealing me with as an intimate friend, but as the mother of my child or like somebody that I go on a date with, with another couple? Uh, who am I when I'm talking on a podcast, right? That's the closest thing. So this chakra is going to be the closest thing to the ego. The closest thing to the personality that we show others, uh, that kind of personality that deals with contractual issues, that deals with issues of appearance and all that. Whereas like the orange ray, that's more uh, your quirks, your like nuances of personality that maybe people see, maybe, you know, like they don't see you pick your nose, right? But like that's also who you are, right? <laughs> Whereas like your yellow ray self, this is like you with the crisp three-piece suit on sure. uh, presenting yourself. Sure. Um, so you center your, 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 your consciousness there. You think about it. You feel into it. Then you go up to your heart. And at that point, you are – what I tend to do is I try to take that personality that I moved from uh, the atavistic red ray to the intimate orange ray to the uh, public yellow mm -hmm. ray. And then I take all of that energy that I've built up and I say, okay, what happens if I just release it? What happens if I just open up all these distinctions that I've made about these different kinds of self that I am? What if I just tear down the walls and open it up to everyone? And that's a green glowing feeling inside yourself of that of green ray. Mm -hmm. And you continue like that. I'm sure that people don't need me to, to continue to narrate this. Sure. So what we're talking about is, uh, you know, taking a risk and uh, that this is the flip side of becoming vulnerable and becoming open to these aspects of yourself that sometimes you don't give proper respect or you try not to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And those of Kuo continue on this. They say... Firstly, there is a tremendous amount of protection of the body by the body, and we recommend to each that this be observed. For instance, this instrument blends the violet of the crown chakra and the red of the root chakra to cover the self with an energy that is completely personal and denotes that which one is. Upon completing this encapsulation of yourself in the red-violet body protection, you will then put on a garment of light. That is the creator's protection, impersonal, loving, and infinite. And I just want to say... This is just Carla's own thought constructs. This is her visualizations of how to work with these fundamental energies and intentions. Uh, I do something very similar to her in my uh, tuning rituals, but uh, there's lots of different ways to think about it. Mm. For example, I think of 
and I got this also from Carla, I think at an earlier time in her process, she thinks of the red and violet being, in, in an earlier time, she described it being a pool. And you kind of baptize yourself in it. You dip in it. Hmm. And so I dip into a red-violet pool, and I say, uh, and I think of that as um, power and protection is what I say. And then I dip backwards into a white light pool, and that's peace and purity, right? So hmm. I'm invoking bodily protection. I'm invoking this third density, hey, I need protection. But I also am getting in, 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 in putting myself in a pure in a pool that purifies me and i and it, it gives me an opportunity here's here's the functional process it gives me an opportunity to let go mm. of some things that aren't helping me in my magical work mm -hmm. that's all you can think about it any way you want to the visualization helps but the visualization i would say and i think sometimes people forget this because they focus so much on the visualization and getting the details of some picture right when they forget the picture is supposed to symbolize a deeper feeling, a different energetic configuration so that you can put your finger on it. Hmm. If it helps that, it's good. And if it gets in the way of that, it's not good. Sure. That's all. Sure. Uh, anything to add? No, no. Okay, moving on. During the meditations, it is helpful for those who call upon guides or angelic presences to do so. For that work which you are doing is work in which you are vulnerable. For you are opening, for you are open to learning, and you do not always have truly appropriate vibrations for this energy. This must be seen to carefully. The self must be gotten in order, cleared of the small change of life, life's miseries. Cleared of the small change of life's miseries. Cleared even of the laughter of good times. Clear to listen within to what has been called in your holy works, quote, the still small voice. That is your magical personality. It is well to call any whom you wish to call to aid in your protection. This is not an illusion any more than you are an illusion within. Kind of an interesting point. It is. Hey, all of this other stuff that we're describing, yeah, it's an illusion, but no more so than you are. No more so than all the stuff that is mysterious within you. No more so than all the stuff that seems as concrete. Yeah. As real as, as stuff in the real world, right? Yeah. Like all of it. And I like this note that uh, the self must be gotten in order, cleared of the small change of life's miseries, cleared even of the laughter of good times, right. i.e. clear it all out so that there's space and quietude, quietness, so that you can hear that still small voice. I hope I hope the listener is uh, perceiving what I perceiving and I'm perceiving in that. That getting rid of the bad and getting rid of the good is in equal order is uh, an invocation of a consciousness beyond polarity. Hmm. Hmm. Right, like that's that's exactly what we're doing when we're accessing the sixth density idea of ourselves is. We are bringing that that self beyond polarity into polarity mm -hmm. to give us power to change our consciousness in ways that will redound to our, you know, self in polarity. We're giving ourselves a little bit of a cheat. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's not really a cheat. It's kind of like Mario going to the warp zone, right? Like, <laughs> this is power hour, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Continuing. This instrument, for instance, evokes, we correct this instrument, invokes the archangels, 
Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, Uriel. And with these four pillars standing in the corners of the room, there is an overarching golden dome. For these principles of love called the archangels are most powerful and most protective. When you have prepared yourself for the meditation upon the magical personality, it is well to sink into the self with no pressure, no thought, no worry, and no wonder, but rather simply to open the door and invite the wisdom and compassion of the ultimately learned, balanced being, which you have become, to the self as it is. It's a little bit of a tangled mm. uh, sentence there. Uh, I say that as a practitioner in my own channeling of some super tangled sentences. Uh, mm. But you're opening the door and inviting uh, this the balanced self in the future to the imbalanced experience in which you're learning this very balance that you will achieve later. Mm -hmm. True mm. simultaneity. I'm glad we can say it now. Like we don't we don't stumble on simultaneity at all. We've got it locked down how to pronounce That's true. It. Simultaneity. I'm making progress. Yes. <laughs> this is, maybe this is like, I, I learned a little bit from my sixth density self. Who knows? I'm not here to tell you the thing, folks. Baby steps. It is well when one wishes to work in consciousness with another by communication to make these same preparations. For by far the majority of those who channel are channeling their own magical personality, their own higher self, their uniqueness. And it is well when it is finished that mentally one acknowledges that one slips off the garment of light and moves back into the illusion of energy fields and the experiences that challenge you to love. The magical personality is one which is grounded in the deepest humility and in the strongest sense, paradoxical though it may seem, of the worth of the self. Like a string or a ribbon, this unrolling behind you gives you information at each present moment as you request it. Those who wish to maintain a magical personality outside the discipline of meditation may indeed work with the visualizations to work with visualizations. If those visualizations are simply shapes, the square, the circle, the triangle, and then in that side one, it tape ends. Mm -hmm. Anything we want to say here? No, no. Just, uh, I think it's worth pointing out that, Hey, this is involved in channeling. I think that's the big thing. And then, um, just, giving you a little bit more of a description of what to expect from this magical personality. It's going to be a deeply humble and unified and powerful and worthy sense of yourself. And just to imagine if you've never worked with this before to imagine that you could think of yourself that way, just like maybe you probably think of yourself as kind of, you know, fallen. Maybe you think you're a loser. Maybe you think you're just, you know, a normal guy. Like there are other ways to think of yourself and, the idea is to have a ritual where you can invoke these changes in consciousness at will. You can, for example, practice it every morning, or you can practice it when you're in a channeling circle and you're trying to give energy to the to the instrument. All sorts of different things I can think. Maybe you uh, maybe you encounter somebody who really needs your help, and and you want to get into a state of mind where you can like just for a moment contact them, mm -hmm. like like. There's all sorts of different ways you could work with it. Some would be better for you than others. I'm not here to tell you how to use it. I'm just here to share what I know and share what Kuo is saying. Let's continue. Yes. It is well for those who wish to maintain the spiritual magical personality for a longer time than a meditation to work with visualizations. The first visualizations are simply shapes, the square, the circle, the triangle. 
the discipline it requires to hold this image in consciousness is the same kind of discipline that an artist employs as it studies its techniques, that it may in the end be a better instrument through which music or communication or healing or living may use to allow you to be the shining metaphysical being that you truly are. I hope the listener gets that. Like, like there are lots of different ways in which we become instruments. It's kind of like we, we play with the subject-object dichotomy that is inherent in the first distortion all the time. And we do it in different ways. And all that magic is is uh, doing it in a sacred way, what we always do. Hmm. When we're watching a movie, we engage in it. Hmm. When we talk to a coworker, we're engaging in it. Uh, when we have a daydream, we're engaging. You know what I mean? Like all these different ways of, of polarizing consciousness so that we can have an experience that shows us something that otherwise we wouldn't see. And therefore, issues up to the creator, if we can ground it in our true being, we can issue up to the creator the fruit of that. It's interesting to liken yourself to an instrument the same way a musician holds an instrument or an artist holds their holds their paintbrush and that through practice through ritual through consistency you can improve um you can be a better instrument you know it's just an yeah. interesting interesting and, thought and and I, and I don't want to skip over the idea that simply visualizing shapes is a kind of exercise you can do to work on your attention span, to work on your ability to use the mind in this fundamental creative way. Mm -hmm. That then, if you can hold shapes in mind, then you can hold states of consciousness in mind. You can hold states of consciousness in mind at a steady state. You have the ability to shift in and out of these states. And then you are really working with a more refined mind. Mm -hmm. One that serves you and doesn't just like surprise you all the time, right? It doesn't just, oh, suddenly here comes an issue from your childhood, you know, coming up again, you know, like from, from out of left field, you know? Yes. yes. It is not advisable in our opinion to keep the magical personality any longer than one is able to maintain, sorry, to remain completely clear within. This normally limits that which the magical personality may do to very brief moments within the waking hours and to inspiriting dreams during those hours when the, sub, when the subconscious and the conscious mind move together in play, in ritual, and in meaning. For woe betide those who act as if they were acting out of the magical personality when they are less than clear. May we say, this is extremely inadvisable, and that the student of the magical personality who does not wish to study the tree of life the Kabbalah, and all those things which would inform one of the history of this concept, content the self with knowing that the magical personality lies within you fallow and ready to bloom. When you call upon it, you may do so in humility. We hope you may call upon it often, but always protect the self before you open your vulnerable self to that which, though it is you, appears within the illusion to be another. For those who do not clear themselves excellently, may receive any number of guides which would purport to be the magical personality, but which instead are means by which positive polarity is gradually lessened. Hmm. And that's pretty much it, folks. That is pretty much it. I think that's the only thing that like really is instructive. There's some questions and answers going on, but, but let's just uh, make sure we don't skip over this part. Um, they're talking about why it is not recommended that you keep this magical personality on 
personality uh, invoked for long periods of time. Yes. Um, it's it's something that you need to. I, they they talk about it being fallow and ready to, and ready to bloom. Like you do need to like have mundane experiences so that you let's put it this way you need to be able to call upon it with humility how does one learn humility Hmm. by being by being arrogant by being ignorant by having those experiences that we have that teach us over time that wear down the rough edges and make it smooth right it's uh it's called eating humble pie yeah yeah, you got to learn those lessons sometimes the hard way. The other, the other thing that I would say here is um, the reason why it's so important to use the magical personality sparingly is so that you can maintain a good energy state and focus when you do so. That way, you know that you're you're using your best resources with the magical personality, mm-hmm. and you are not like momentarily distracted or like you know pissed off about something, and therefore. You get negative greeting. You get some entity that can very easily mimic the energy of service to others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and can trick you into thinking and saying things that that seem right, but it it's not. And like that's fine. Like I've had uh when I've done my challenging, I've had entities uh, present themselves who don't pass the challenge, mm-hmm. and that's why I challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, the, the, or, the, or the issue is, is that I could never issue that challenge if I hadn't gone through a long tuning process to get myself into the proper state of mind, invoking the magical personality, and then having that you know protection in hand. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's an interesting, I, I imagine that would be an interesting experience or a interesting ritual to develop, to get to a point where you are challenging, <laughs> you are challenging those, uh, those thoughts or those entities that are, that are coming in. Well, that's, um, the, the meat of the message there. There's some interesting questions at the end that I would encourage the reader to go look up. December 31st, 1989. Kuo on the higher self and the magical personality. We're going to leave it there, listener. Uh, Ryan, anything to add? No, it's good stuff to simmer on, and it's it, it's especially a reminder. It is a reminder to, at minimum, meditate. You yeah. know, at minimum, meditate. <laughs> you know, because if you meditate, this inventory becomes a lot more tractable it becomes something that you just don't imagine doing but you can't really see yourself doing Mm -hmm. it becomes something that okay so i know what they mean and it's not necessarily it's not armageddon right it's just becoming friendly with yourself yeah cool yeah good stuff yeah yeah um so thanks for joining us on this episode uh we will dive into a new topic next time In the meantime, have a great week and stay in the love and light.